Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. I tell you, I sense an, an expectancy in the atmosphere this morning. There's an excitement in my spirit this morning. I can tell you there's something happening right now all across this room. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Why don't you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on. Just take a few moments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn and greet somebody as you take your seat this morning? Make all the extroverts happy, all the introverts uncomfortable. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So good to have so many of you back from across the world and from the nations this morning. And uh, it's good to have Barbara on FaceTime on the front row. Hallelujah. Barbara couldn't miss church this morning. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's an excitement in this season for what I feel God is doing in this hour. And I want to let you know that I've become aware of a spiritual attack that has plagued many of you. It plagued me, especially after the turn of the new year. There was an assignment of depression and oppression that that hit so many people. And I want to tell you this morning, as I was praying last night for this morning's service, that I believe the Lord's breaking that assignment completely this morning. That if you've been carrying kind of a heaviness and a... And just this desire, I mean, I had so many text messages and, and just people come up to me this last week who says, I just want to run, I just want to withdraw. And I just want to say to you that the Lord's breaking that this morning, that that assignment from the pit of hell is broken in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 16. That's where we're going to be this morning to start. And uh, we'll see where we end up. Hallelujah. I want to start a series this morning uh, that I've titled Engaged. And uh, Pastor Anna said, man, that makes me think of getting married. Uh, You know, just that word engaged. It's like, well, we are. We're getting engaged. We're getting engaged with our community. We're getting engaged. There were uh, some dating people that raised their hands and said, hallelujah, I'm waiting for it. Uh, I'm not saying that's a prophetic word this morning, uh, but maybe it is. Hallelujah. Uh, engaged. You know, I, I'm determined in this season, and I don't know about you, but, but I, I really am determined that, that our church is going to encounter God and get equipped like never before. That we're going to encounter God and get equipped. That's why we exist. We exist to, to win the lost and equip the saved. That, that's our purpose, is that, that we recognize that there are people far from God that need to know Him. That is the reality in our culture today is there are so many who are so far from Him and that's become the normalcy. And so we exist to win the lost and then once we win them, once we get them encountered, we got to equip them. And that's just not my responsibility, that's your responsibility as well. And so I've come to the conclusion though that a person reveals how mature they are as a disciple and how far along they are in their walk, not by how much they worship. 
And not by how much they know, uh, but how much they do for the kingdom of God. That maturity is expressed in our action. That it's not just in our ability. Listen, I, I want you to bounce off the walls while you're in here, okay? You know, uh, Pentecost, they say they swung from the chandeliers. We don't have chandeliers in here. Uh, but if you want to roll around, if you want to, uh, I don't think these will hold you, but you, it, it might happen. All right? I was in a meeting one time uh, down uh, in Southern California, and I mean, it, it felt like we had people literally bouncing off the walls. That, that's what it looked like. Uh, and so I, I want you to have that. I want you to, to be a student of the Word. I want you to, to study the tenets of the faith until your head swells to the size of a balloon and you've got all the knowledge that you can get. But at the end of the day, what really, really matters is whether or not you're willing to leave the confines of these seats and get on the field and go to war. At the end of the day, what really matters is are you engaged? Because let me tell you, anything less than being engaged in our community will result in us just being intellectuals and emotionals. And it will, it will settle us into uh, becoming a great self-help seminar and an institution of learning, and we can get our thrills and chills, but if we don't do anything with it, we're not really going to accomplish the purpose of why Jesus instituted the church. And so I want to look at number 16 this morning, and uh, starting in verse 42. And if I were a good preacher, I would have had my Bible. Look, I turned right to it. Hallelujah. I know my Bible. Numbers chapter 16, verse 42. It came about, however, when the congregation had assembled against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. How many of you are ready for the glory of the Lord to appear? Come on, somebody. I, I believe we're stepping into that season. Uh, there's been some, some real authentic prophetic voices that I trust that have prophesied about some things in 2023 that we're stepping into a cloud season. And so it says, Then Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of the meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them instantly. Oh, this is a real great and positive scripture to start with, Pastor Jacob. I mean, this will just give you all the, the goosebumps and everything. It says, Then they fell on their faces. Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put it in the fire from the altar, and lay incense on it, then bring it quickly to the congregation. And make atonement for them, for wrath has gone forth from the Lord, the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses had spoken and ran into the midst of the assembly, for behold, the plague had begun among the people. So he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. He took his stand between the dead and the living, so that the plague was checked. I want you to pay attention to that verse right there, verse 48. He took his stand between the dead and the living so that the plague was checked. My God, I feel the anointing. Romans 6, 11, and then I'll get into this. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. I want to pray this morning. Father, I thank you for the anointing that makes preaching easy. And I thank you, Father, that your word goes forth to accomplish that which you send it to do.
And Father, I thank you this morning that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I thank you that the proclamation of my mouth this morning would be a word in season to transform your people. And that, Father, when I pull my hands back, it would be evidence that you've been here, that your hand has been on your people's lives, and that they would be transformed by you, God. I recognize my complete my utter and total dependence on you this morning. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But it is in you that we live and move and have our being. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've ever played any sports at all, you know that being in the right position is absolutely crucial to the success of the efforts both individually and as a team. That you can only succeed on the team if you're in the right position. Is that right this morning? Anyone played sports this morning? Any basketball players in the room this morning? I'll tell you, I'm not one, okay? Uh, I do not have the coordination to make it down the, the whatever it's called, uh, court. That See, I don't even know the terminology. I was going to say the field. We don't play basketball on a field. I was on a basketball team one time. And we played on, on blacktop, all right? So anyone ever played on blacktop? Well, as I was making my way, I'd gotten the ball, and I thought, I am going to make a basket. And I may, this is sixth grade, and I'm making it down the, the court, and I tripped over my own feet, and I ate the blacktop. From the top of my forehead all the way down my knees, I was just hamburger, all right? I didn't realize that I was bleeding profusely. I got up and I tried to dribble the ball again and passed out. I never played the sport again, all right? But what I, I do know a little bit, that if you ask any basketball coach if it's important for the point guard to fall back on defense to prevent a fast break for the other team, I look this up, all right? He will tell you that being in the right position is paramount. That's all I know is what I looked up, all right? I've never played football. I don't like getting hurt, so, so don't tackle me. That's not something I want to do, all right? But if you ask a football coach, again, looked it up, how important it is for a defensive end to stay home to prevent an end around or reverse, and he will tell you that position is everything. Now, I do like to study a little bit about war. I've studied a little bit about the wars in the Old Testament and, and how God would position people. And the same can be said in war. That if you ask a general if it's important for a company of men to be where they're supposed to be during an offensive, he will explain that if they aren't, defeat is almost certain. And I want to talk to you this morning in this first message uh, in this series engaged about assuming the position. Assuming the position, because there is a position that is absolutely essential for each of us to fill in order for us to have any impact or effect at all on our community. We must assume the position. So let me give you a little framework this morning. I want to establish a couple of facts. The first is that we are alive. We are alive. According to the Word of God, there are two individual, two types of individuals on the earth today. There are the living and there are the dead. There are those who are alive and those who are dead. Look at your neighbor and see which type they are. Are they alive this morning or are they dead this morning? Listen, some of you might fall asleep this morning. That's okay. Receive your sleep. Receive your rest this morning. 
But there are two types of individuals. There, there are not three types. Just like our culture wants to redefine gender, there are two, male and female. There are living and there are dead, all right? And so there are those who are alive because of their relationship with Christ, and there are those who are dead due to their sin. There is no middle ground. There are no halfway alive and halfway dead. We might meet some people that seem like they are halfway dead, but there are only living and there are only dead. All right? It is black and white. It is cut and dry. If you are in this room this morning and you've accepted Christ and he's your Lord, you are alive. And that's shouting material right there, that you are alive. You were once dead in your transgressions, but now you've been made alive in Christ. I'm so thankful that I'm alive in Christ this morning. I know you're breathing. I know you're moving, but if you're in the room this morning and you've never made that commitment, I need to just tell you the truth this morning. You're dead in your sins. But I've got hope for you that we have a God who is rich in mercy, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so let me tell you this, that just because you attend church doesn't make you alive. Any more than if I stand in your garage, it will not make me a Corvette. The only method or path that brings you to life is an encounter with Christ in which you place him as Lord and Savior of your life. There are many people in the world that believe he's Savior, but they have not made him Lord. When we make him Lord, he rules all of it. But what that means is that he reached into hell, pulled us out, and gave us life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let me tell you this, that as we walk throughout our day, as we go into Walmart or, or we go and rub shoulders with people at Starbucks or we interact with the folks around us at the bank, we must understand that we are coming into contact with some folks who are alive and we're coming into contact with some folks who are dead. And it is our job to be discerning in this hour. Do they need the life that I carry? Are they dead or are they alive? The second fact that we must establish is that there is a plague out there that is killing people. And I'm not talking about COVID this morning. But there is a plague. That plague is called sin. Satan's supreme cause is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And like it or not, he's very good at what he does. We have a real enemy who seeks your life, who seeks the life of all those people that you come into contact with on a daily basis. This isn't a hard sell for me. I, I don't need to believe in Satan when I can read in the newspapers the things that are happening in our world, in our city. I mean, in our own city over the last several weeks, the shootings. And, 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 and I was talking with a police officer and, and the sex trafficking numbers are increasing by the daily in our own city city. Do you understand that? That children are being trafficked through our hotels in Bryan College Station? We just have to look at the details and you can't tell me there isn't a plague that's ruling our nation, that's ruling our world. When we see people openly celebrating a man calling himself a woman and a woman calling herself a man and that it's an alternative lifestyle and that we need to, they're even saying, stop calling it alternative. It's a mainstream lifestyle. I rebuke that because Jesus created a way. God created a way. When you see young people so tormented by pain and depression that they walk into school, six-year-olds shooting their teachers, this is happening in our nation. There is a plague 
When you find out that a middle school board deems that it is appropriate to hand out birth control to sixth graders, there's a plague. I know there's some shock factor in what I'm saying to you this morning, but when the homeless stand on every corner, there's a plague. When hospital rooms are filled with disease and sickness, there's a plague. When pastors in Georgia are selling, are, are, are growing marijuana to fund their ministry, there's a plague. And I think sometimes we hide ourselves in our prayer rooms and we hide ourselves with our Christian TV and we hide ourselves with our, our, our little cliques of Christianity to deny uh, the reality that there is a plague hitting the world and we want to just hide away. But Jesus didn't tell us to hide away. He said, occupy until I return. There is a plague in the world that we live in. It's spreading. It's claiming lives. It is causing casualties. It is a fact. We cannot ignore it, and we cannot deny it, church. And that is where we come in. That is where you and I come in, because let me tell you something. Passion requires action. I'm going to say that again this morning. Passion requires action. So what is the position? Because there is a position that we must take up. There is a position that we must fill in order for us to do something about the plague that we see. However, our problem is that we want results without requirements. Isn't that true for many of us? We want results without requirements. Listen, I've talked a lot. My gym canceled me, right? That doesn't happen. I mean, you typically have to get a lawyer to get out of a gym contract. And they canceled me. I would love to have the results of a gym membership without the requirements of actually going. Anybody feel me this morning? I would love to have the results of a diet without actually having to do it, right? Come on, somebody. Pentecostals can preach that all day long. We love buffets. Hallelujah. I want you to notice, if you will, that before Moses and Aaron could do anything about the plague, they first had to fall on their faces before God and receive an anointing. God says to them, there's a plague among the people, and he gives him some instructions. But before they could deal with that, and, and, and mind you, and th this will preach this morning, Moses and Aaron were being called to save a people that hated them. It says right there, when the people turned against Moses and Aaron, the cloud of glory came. In the middle of your greatest opposition is where God will give you answers to save those who oppose you. That's opposite of the world. The world doesn't preach that. The world preaches push them off the cliff and run away and don't look. And God says, fall on your face. I'm going to give you an anointing to stop the plague. But the first requirement was that they had to fall on their face. There was a requirement. They, we want the results without meeting the requirements. So we come to church and we sleep through worship and we sleep through the word. And then we want to go out and win the world. We, we want the anointing to see our family saved, but we don't want to pray. We want, we want to see our coworkers transformed, but we want to act just like them and not give them any difference between them and us. We want to live in our carnality and preach Jesus to them. And they go, I don't, I'm, this, I'm just as carnal as you are. What do I need that you got? You're more depressed than I am. 
I, I, I've said it before. Growing up Pentecostal, I thought all the intercessors carried sour candies in their mouth. Because they walked around so sour all the time. They'd lost the joy of their salvation. But how many in the church walk around like they've got the weight of the world, but the Bible declares that his burden is light and his yoke is easy? When we get in the presence of God, listen, yes, there's requirements, but when we get in the presence, the Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. It says by reason of the anointing, the yoke is broken. So we're carrying all these things around. My family, my finances, my health. And we just become so burdened down. But when we get in the anointing, the yoke comes off. The yoke gets broken. There's something that happens. And so Moses and Aaron, they had to get in the anointing. It says they fell on their faces before the Lord. It says that Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting. They fell on their faces. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses and he says, get away from them because I'm going to kill them all. How many of us have had that attitude at times? God, just kill them. I don't want them to go to hell, but I just don't want them around anymore. Let them pray the sinner's prayer and then whoop, get rid of them. And, and God's saying in that moment, get away from him because I'm going to wipe him out. But what does Moses say to Aaron? He says, go get your censer and put in it from the altar. Lay incense on it. Then, then go quickly into the congregation. Make atonement for them. The very people that were trying to kill Moses and Aaron. Moses says, no, 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 no. We're not going to let the plague wipe all of them out. We're going to get in the middle of them. We're going to stand between the living and the dead. We're going to take up position between the living and the dead. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning, but that's okay. We read about how Peter won 3,000 in one moment, and we think we can do the same. The problem is, is that he had been praying from the ascension to Pentecost. He'd been waiting in the upper room for an anointing. He'd been waiting on God to fill him. He was waiting to be endued with power from on high. He prayed. He, he had prayed for days and he preached for three minutes and 3,000 came into the Lord. When we can barely pray three minutes, we preach at people for three days and we sit and wonder that we win no one. Can I be? I'm preaching to myself this morning, okay? If the shoe fits, wear it. Make sure you get both of them. Some of you got that. Hallelujah. Before we can go to war, and this is a war, church. We are in a war. I, I think sometimes in our, our, our played down, charismatic worlds where we love the glory and the thrills and chills, we forget that warfare is real. It's real. There's a real enemy. There's real warfare. Now listen, I'm not a demon hunter, okay? I'm not lifting up every rock, looking for every spirit, looking. Listen, are there demons under every rock? Yeah, you'll find them everywhere. Go to Walmart. I don't spend my life trying to find the demons, okay? I don't spend my life navel-gazing trying to figure out what's wrong with me. I get in the glory, and what happens when I get in the glory is the stuff starts to bubble up. 
The dross begins to come to the top. And then the grace of God begins to scoop the dross off. So you don't have to spend your life trying to figure out what's wrong with you. Get in the glory. You don't have to figure out all the answers. Get in the glory. You don't have to figure out all the generational curses, which are real. They exist. Christians can have demons. Christians can have whatever they want. That's a whole nother discussion. But what I'm saying today is if you spend your time trying to find all the problems, you won't get the solution. That's, I could end right there. But here's the deal. Before we can go to war, and this is a war, we must first stop and get armed. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost on our life. We need the power of God on our life. We, we need to spend the necessary time in the altars becoming prayer prepared for the battle. I'm just going to give you a challenge this morning. If you're not coming to corporate prayer, you need to. Greg had a great vision years ago before they ever moved uh, here. The Lord gave him a vision. Joanna talked a little bit about it at at Holy Ghost Camp. of, Of a group of people linked arm in arm. You want to know where you get linked up? You get linked up in corporate prayer. Because you learn to carry the burdens of each other in corporate prayer. You learn what it means to intercede together. You learn what it is to walk in community when we're going after something. We all want revival because I know, I know your lives. You want revival. I know many of your scenarios and situations and the things that you're facing. You want revival. But let me tell you, revival is costly. You want an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in your life, your finances, your health is costly. Salvation's free. He already paid the price. Everything after that will cost you everything. Cost your whole life, no matter what you're called to. We need the anointing. We need the power of God on our life. We need to spend the necessary time in the altars becoming prepared for the battle. That is why all the head knowledge won't get it done. Some of us are over-degreed. We've got so many letters behind our name, you might as well call us the alphabet. But at the end of the day, the alphabet won't break the yoke. At the end of the day, the alphabet's not going to save your family. It's the anointing on your life because you paid a price in the altars. You paid a price in the quiet place and then you did something with it. So we need that. You must also have an encounter with a supernatural God in order to be able to supernaturally impact this culture. So what is our position? Our position is the same position that Moses instructed Aaron to fill. He said to him, and this verse, when when I read it, it, it got me. Verse 48, he took his stand between the dead and the living. He got in position between the dead and the living, knowing that there were dead already. There are some people we won't save. There are some people that that, that, they will not get the gospel. It's a sad reality. But as long as there's breath in my lungs, and as long as there's purpose on the inside of me, I'm going to take the position that while it is still day, because night's coming, church, where we won't be able to work, but while it is still day, I'm going to stand between the dead and the living and believe for resurrection power. Now listen, 14,000 died that day when the plague hit the children of Israel. 
There were some that died. But in this day, there is resurrection power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens my mortal body. I am the walking mobile tabernacle of the living God. I've got an anointing on the inside of me. I'm sure of my call and election that where I go, he goes. Every step I take, there's an anointing to break the yoke of sin. There's an anointing to reach into hell and say, come out of your hell. Come into the living. That's our position to stand between the living and the dead. That's where we're supposed to be. We should be acting as a bridge between those who are alive in Christ and those who are dead in sin so that they can cross over to life. Ezekiel 22 and 30 says, God is searching for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy. But it says in Ezekiel 22, 30, but I found none. Let it not be said of the church of Bryan College Station that he searched and found no one. Let it not be said of the equipping church. I'm going to bring it right home. Let it not be said of us that he searched through here. I'll never forget in 2017, we had an outbreak of revival in this house. It lasted 11 days. On night number 10, the angelic host, as as I am living, I tell you, I saw it with my open eyes. The angelic host walked through this place, looked at the hearts of people and said, they ain't ready. And revival was taken from us. Let it not be said of us in this hour. The hour is too late and it is too costly to delay revival any longer by our own complacency. We are out of position if he can't find us. I want you, you know I'm not one of these preachers, but I want you to touch somebody this morning and say get in position. The problem or challenge is that we have the tendency to put all of our efforts into trying to huddle up with those who are alive and survive the plague. Moses' instructions to Aaron were to run into the midst of the congregation. We need to get right in the middle of the mess. Right in the middle of the mess. Get as close to those who are sick as possible so that you can do something about it. What we do is we continue to drive past the congregation to get to the building. You know where the congregation is? Out there. I can prove that. Did you know that the average pastor can't even name seven unsaved friends? Can I be honest? I'm not sure I can. Now I've got some unsaved family members. I'm waiting, Jesus. Come on, save them. Some of them are the women at the well. They get saved, the whole city will get saved. Be like that Randy Travis song, Pray for the Fish, because when they go under, all the sin that will roll off, it will boil the water. I hope they're watching today. Get saved. But the reality is, now, now I'm not saying, some people have taken this too far, and they, they go off and they're like, yeah, we're just going to hang out at all the bars, and that's how we're going to, no, that ain't, that ain't going to work. I, I knew a ministry that they were doing beer and Bible, and all of them were addicted to alcohol. I mean, it, it don't work. I had a young man one time, I wanted to slap him. He said, I, God's really given me a heart, you know, for, for the women of the night. So I'm going go to go to the strip clubs to, no, you're not. That ain't going to work. 
Like, we got to have some common sense, folks, right? I mean, if all you're doing is hanging out with sinners, eventually you're going to become one yourself. Like, that's the, we, we need the body of Christ. We need, you need to be in church. You need to be in community. You need to be in a small group. Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Just take it and run with it. But all of that to say is that if we don't know unsaved people, you need to. Because you know what that says to me? You're not witnessing. You're not testifying of what Jesus has done in your life. If you don't know somebody who needs Jesus, go find somebody. I, one of the things, I'm going to brag on Barbara Christensen on, on the FaceTime. Man, that made me sound old. The FaceTime. <laughs> Whew. We're in the hospital after her surgery, and she goes, oh, you need to meet my nurse. I mean, she was witnessing to every person around her. She ran out of cards. That's a miracle. So she got one of the nurses in so that we could pray for the nurse. I mean, come on, somebody. When was the last time you prayed for somebody out in the streets? When was the last time that you reached out to somebody in Walmart? You want to meet unsaved people? Go to Walmart. Stop doing grocery pickup and go evangelize while getting your bananas. But we've got to get in position, but we have this tendency to hide away. We're out of position. Our instructions are clear. Run to the dying, not away from them. Why? Because if they die, we all die. We cannot be unaffected. It affects our friends, our family, our neighbors. On that day, 14,700 people died before someone stepped into position. 14,700 people died before Aaron got in the middle of them. We have a tendency to think that all we have to do is get our family inside and survive. There was only one ark, and that was Noah's instructions, not ours. Now if we pull inside, we all die. We've got to reach them. Our attitude has become, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. And we sit inside the safety of the ark with the living waiting on the dead to come to us. They know where we are. They can find us if they really need us. That was not our instructions. He said, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. Reminds me of a story of this woman who went to the pet store. She bought a parrot. Anyone ever had a pet parrot? Few people have had a pet parrot. She was lonely, so she took her new pet home, but returned the next day to report, that parrot hasn't said a word yet. The storekeeper asked her, does the parrot have a mirror? Parrots like to be able to look at themselves in the mirror because they think it's another bird, and then they begin to talk. So the lady bought the mirror and returned home. The next day she was back, announcing that the parrot still wasn't speaking. The storekeeper asked the lady, did you get the parrot a ladder? Parrots enjoy walking up and down a ladder. That will make the parrot happy, and then it will start talking. So she bought a ladder and returned home. Sure enough, the next day she was back with the same story. The parrot is still not talking. Well, does the parrot have a swing? Birds enjoy relaxing on a swing. So she bought the swing and went home. The next day she returned to the store to announce that the bird had died. The storekeeper, with concern on his face, replied, I'm so sorry to hear that. Did the bird ever say anything before it died? Yes, the lady said. It said, don't they sell any food down there? The problem was not the quality of the food. The problem was the location of the food. 
The parrot died because the food never left the pet store. The parrots in the store survived, but this parrot died due to a lack of nourishment. We sit inundated by by food, by books, by CDs, by preaching, by teaching, by seminars, by conferences, by classes, and yet those out there are still dying. They don't need any more bells or whistles or mirrors or ladders. What they need is food, and you have the living manna on the inside of you. We find ourselves so full of quality food that we're stuffed while they starve. So what do full people do? They snack rather than feast. They just come in and get enough to tide them over until the next meal. I just snack on God's word just enough to get me through till Wednesday and that's it. I just pull out the promise card from the promise loaf and read the one verse a week to get me by. Rather than getting so full of the word that I can't help but go out and spread it to others. If you know me, I love to cook. I don't love to cook to eat anymore. I used to love to cook to eat. But now I love to cook to share. You should be so full. You're like, man, somebody else has got to eat this. I love leaning over to Anna as I'm cooking. Try this. Taste this. I love making things and waiting. I I don't even like to eat my own food. Can I be honest? But I love to watch when people taste it, hoping that I get the good reaction. But we should be so full of the meals that we've eaten in the presence of the Lord that we want to take and share it with others. Come eat. Come dine with me. But we have this mentality that they'll find us if they need us. Listen, maybe in the 50s that was true. Everybody knew where the local church was. You know, I was so shocked when I moved to to Redding, California, because I was moving there to be part of this huge church. Bethel Church. I went to school of ministry there. Loved it. But I was so shocked when I'd ask people in town, have you ever heard of Bethel Church? They'd all say no. Here it was. I had moved from eight hours away to go there because I'd heard of it in another city. But people in their own city, and this isn't to say anything about Bethel. This is saying people don't know you exist until they know you exist. People don't know the church exists anymore. It's not the center point of the family life anymore. The family nucleus has been destroyed. Everything that was once a value in our nation isn't a value anymore. So we can't just expect that people know the gospel. And we can't expect that everyone's a backslider. It used to be that people had been raised in church. That's not the truth anymore. Church, why do you go to church? What's the point of that? I mean, this is the reality of our culture. We have to go to them. God has fed us so well that we cannot remain at the trough and become picky. He has fed us so well that we can in turn feed others. Listen, if you leave food long enough, it will turn sour. I think for some of us, we've soured. Again, if the shoe fits, wear both of them. We can no longer celebrate the fact that the wages of sin is death just because we've been set free from sin and just because everyone we know has been set free from sin. The fact that the wages of sin is death should stir up a spirit of urgency in our heart until we're compelled to run into the midst of those who are sick and stop their plague. An old farmer was sitting in his backyard fishing in a tub of water. His neighbor began ridiculing him. He said, man, there ain't no fish in that tub. 
Why are you wasting your time like that? The old farmer's reply should send cause for us to fall to our knees. He said, I know there ain't no fish in here, but it's just so powerfully convenient. He wanted the action of fishing without actually fishing. I'm going to catch nothing. Sitting by himself in his backyard in a bathtub. It's time to get out of our comfort zones. I know it's convenient to hide out in here. I know it's more comfortable to hang out with those who act like, think like, and live like us. But there ain't no fish in there. If you've been saved, you ain't a fish no more. You're a new creation. You've been gutted, cleaned out, descaled. You dinner. It's time to get out of our comfort zones as I start to close this morning and stand between the living and the dead. Church, we've got to get in position. This series for the next three, three weeks after today, I'm going to talk about what it means to be engaged. We've got to get engaged. We've got to get engaged out there. And let me be real, you've got to get engaged in here. Don't just come to the buffet and go, you know what, I like two scriptures that pastor preached this morning. The rest of it I can do without. I'll just be happy on the thing that made me feel comfortable. Can't do that. I'm going to talk about what it means to war. I'm going to talk about how, how our position engages us. We've got to be engaged. It's time to get out of our comfort zones and stand between the living and the dead and stop the plague. Quit waiting on them to come to us. Quit relegating soul winning to me. Well, if I can just get them to church, pastor will get them saved. I might. They may not like me, but they know you. They know your life. Maybe sometimes the reason we think we need to get them to church is because our life isn't ready for them to see. I don't know. Could be. They're dying daily. And it's our job to reach them. We're called to take light to dark places. How much more light do those who already have light need? You've already got the light of the world. Take it. And it's not a little light. This little light of my... No, you've got, a, you've got the light of the world. Don't hide it in the church. Go do something with it. I want to pray for us this morning before I hand it over to Pastor Susanna. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray this morning that God would anoint us. We need supernatural power. We can't do what we need to do without anointing. We can't reach those who are far from Him without an anointing for it. So Father, this morning I pray for this congregation. If you're in this room this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, You've never made a decision this morning. You've never said, God, I'll give you all of me. I'll surrender it all. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you into that life relationship with Him. I want to invite you to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Ephesians 2 says that He's a God rich in mercy. The Bible declares that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're in this room this morning and you're dead, I want you to be resurrected through the power of Jesus this morning. If that's you this morning, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, would you wave at me this morning? Just lift your hand. 
and let me know you want to give your life to Christ. Maybe you're in this room this morning. You're saying, I, I prayed maybe years ago, but this morning I, I don't know where I stand with God. And I want to be sure of it. If that's you this morning, if you want to be sure that you're right with Christ this morning, would you lift your hand? I see those hands this morning. Church, can we pray with them this morning? Let's pray with them this morning. Say, Jesus, this morning, I give you all of my heart. All of my broken pieces. I repent of my sin. And I receive your forgiveness. Make me a new creation. Clean me out that I might go and share your love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, give them a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that an anointing to win the lost would rest on you this morning. An anointing to see people saved this morning. Father, I pray that an anointing from on high, that just as Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. Father, I pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit on your people this morning to be witnesses of the resurrection power of Jesus. Father, I pray right now that you would touch your people and your anointing would rest on them. Father, that they'd have a divine, supernatural encounter with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, rest on them this morning. Rest on them this morning. Show them your goodness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Why don't you welcome Pastor Susanna? Good morning. You can be seated. If you have a worship guide with you, I'm going to highlight a few announcements. As uh, Pastor Jacob underscored the importance of uh, our Dig Deeper in God prayer meeting, and it's going to be on Wednesday at 7 uh, I was reading some. Uh, I was reading a book by Spurgeon, and he talks about prayer. And he says, "Groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers we cannot be refused." So we have to come with an expectation that God is going to answer our prayers, especially when we are praying for revival. And this reminds me for those of you who have um, ordered the revival T-shirts. A couple of you are wearing those. Uh, please collect them. Right, we have them already. But wearing those t-shirts, it's not enough. <laughs> we have to be here and praying for revival, all right? So that's on Wednesday nights. And uh, Pastor Jacob also alluded to this. We have, on Thursday nights, we have e-groups, equipping groups. So we have e-groups for the men, and they will be meeting at uh, the Ramos residence. The, ad the address is there. And for the women, it's going to be here at the TEC, and child care is provided. So just some uh, important announcements. For those of you who are keen on going to uh, the Encounter India 2023, uh, please uh, take note that there is an informational meeting uh, this coming Wednesday, Wednesday the 18th of January at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary. It's a very important meeting. It's mandatory. Uh, for those who are wanting to go for this power-packed trip, 
Uh, Hector and I would love to go, but our visa doesn't allow us to travel. So, uh, or rather the lack of visa doesn't allow us to travel. Uh, but if you are able to, please come for that meeting. There's some things that need to be talked about. So that's on Wednesday at 6 p.m. And then we have the Holy Ghost service, another link with India. And uh, this is on Sunday, the 29th of January at 6 p.m. here in the church at 6 p.m. And our guest speakers are Pastor John and Rachel Javed. Uh, for those of you who have been here in TEC for a long time, remember the, those times when we were uh, giving uh, for their missions, uh, especially uh, to uh, their ministries in the brick kilns, all right, for the children who were working as slaves, all right? So some of you remember that. So this is the same couple, so they are coming. Uh, Pastor John is uh, a founder and chairman of the Consuming Fire Ministries of Pakistan, and they carry, they birth revival. They are revival carriers, and we want to uh, really, you know, um, understand where they come from, and I'm sure they have a powerful word. So please come, all right, on Sunday, 29th of January. Invite your family and friends for that uh, very special service. And for those of you who want to be part of the Equipping Church, you want to be a partner in revival, uh, we have our next steps. That's our first gateway to all the other things that we are go, uh, doing to uh, help you in your growth here in this church. So some of you have indicated you want to be in next steps, and that's going to be in February, Sunday, 5th of February, the first Sunday. Uh, after the church service. So if you are interested, uh, please give me your names or if you want to know more about uh, Next Steps, you can come and see me and uh, lunch is provided after the service. All right? So we, we really want to see you there. And Next Steps is going to be once every two months, all right? not every month. And then you'll be ready for Encounter Weekend and Post Encounter and the rest of it. And then we have... Our Holy Ghost weekend with none other than Apostle Brent Douglas. All right, how many of you all were here when Apostle Brent Douglas was here? All right, he's he's our one of our overseers. All right, so he's a friend of the church. He is uh, he's someone that um, you know gives counsel, very close relationship with Pastor Jacob, and a funny guy. All right, and he had been ill the past few months but you know god has called him to start traveling again so he's going to be coming in april so please keep those dates free right so we have friday the 14th of april that's going to be at seven saturday on the 15th of april at seven also and then on sunday we have two services 10 a.m and 6 p.m you wouldn't want to miss it all right um some of you may remember Pastor Jacob talking about a story when he was preaching and there was a loud jet sound that was coming from this side. And I was sitting there and the wall was literally shaking, right? Dina was there, a few of us were there. And uh, it was like the glory of God just coming into the room and everybody was so silent. And he was talking about the open portals, if I remember, the open portals of heaven, all right? And this sound just came in and Pastor Jacob was checking with the airport, were there any flights going on that evening? There were no flights at all and it was a 
just a, an awesome moment, and I think it's on YouTube. Uh, it's on YouTube, so, so for those of you who want to watch it, but he carries that kind of anointing, so, so you don't want to miss that. Bring family, friends, co-workers, bring yourself, all right? We are praying for revival. He's a catalyst for revival, all right? So don't miss uh, uh, those events. And as Pastor Jacob was talking about those little cards, right? We have these cards as well. Uh, I carry lots of purses, so I have a few cards in each purse, all right? Have it in a glove compartment. Don't just carry the card and give it to someone, all right? But talk to that person and say, you need Christ. You belong here. You need to have an encounter with God. But we need to fill ourselves first. So again, come for Wednesday night prayer meeting dig. So at this moment, as we uh, prepare our hearts for worship, uh, uh, worship of giving, just want to invite Pastor Jacob. Hallelujah. Well, as we get ready to give this morning, I want to take a moment and pray. Uh, many of you know Dale Lapham, uh, and he is being taken back for surgery. Um, quite unexpected. Uh, so he's uh, been in the ER this morning and he's going to need uh, surgery, emergency surgery. So uh, let's just lift our hands towards Scott and White out this way. Uh, Father, we just pray for Dale right now. We pray, Father, that you would, uh, number one, heal his body. And Father, as, as they get ready to, to do what they need to do, Father, just rearrange what you need to rearrange. Do a creative miracle, Father. Right now, heal the infection. Uh, just minister to him and wander right now. Father, I pray for a supernatural peace to invade that hospital room right now. I pray, Father, that you would show yourself strong and, and mighty on their behalf. Your hand is not shortened to save. And so, Father, we pray right now. We contend for a miracle right now in the mighty name of Jesus because you're able to do it. You're able to do it. You're able to do it. So, Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you know them, they, they serve and give. and uh, ju Just a great couple. We love them dearly. I want to share this morning. I had a verse, <coughs> excuse me, uh, all week just kind of pouring through my mind um, about offering. And uh, then Pastor Hector asked me if I would do it this week. And so I thought, oh, well, that's confirmation because I already had something in my spirit. Normally he does this. Uh, Luke 6.38, familiar passage. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. That verse actually has nothing to do with offering. Not a thing to do with offerings. And it's used oftentimes for offering messages. And as I was thinking about that verse, it actually has to do with those who hate us. Those who don't like us. Those who offend us. And it says, when you give, it will be measured back to you. So the challenge is there is when they don't like you, love them. When they don't like you, bless them. The Bible says, bless those who curse you, right? So I was doing a little search because, you know, I'm a word nerd. Some of you caught that. The word good measure, me, it's, it's a phrase, kalos metron. It is the most beautiful and excellent degree of measurement. That's how it's described in the Greek. So when we 
are dealt hate, we measure out a beautiful measurement of love. We deal out a beautiful, the most beautiful and excellent measure. Then it says, so if we do that, what's going to come back to you is a beautiful, excellent degree. Press down. It means packed in to the point there is not an inch of space left. Any of you ever seen those videos where they're packing the sand into the glass jars and they're packing it and, it, and you think they can't get anything else in there. Then they pack it some more and they pack it some more. Packed in. It also means to be laid hold of. So when we're dealing out, we're going to receive back the beautiful excellent degree that is packed in, that lays holds of us. Then it's seluo, shaken together, a measure filled by shaking together, stirred up. So when you're putting something in and you shake it a little bit to compress it some more, that's what's going to happen. <clears throat> then it says, running over. I love this word, hyperinkuno. That's a fun Greek word. Say it, hyperinkuno. You all passed Greek number one. To overflow beyond measure. To overflow beyond measure. This whole verse has little to do, almost nothing to do with offering. So then why are you sharing it at this point in the service? Because I think some of us need to be challenged in this season. That when we're experiencing oppression, when we're experiencing conflict, when we're experiencing even hatred from other people, as we begin to deal out love, as we begin to sow back into their lives, as we begin to bless, that same blessing is measured back to us. That's powerful. Hyper and kuno, running over without measure, to overflow beyond measure. And so in our giving, it really has little to do with the amount that we give. Now, I'll tell you, million is spelled M-I-L-L-I-O-N. That'd be great. We have a lot of vision. We have a lot of vision, a lot of things we want to accomplish. But it's little to do with amount, and it's all to do with our heart attitude. You can be the most faithful tither and still have a bad attitude. And you know what the New Testament says? That removes the blessing. You can be, I mean, down to the jot and tittle of your 10% and have a bad attitude. Well, I'm just giving God what belongs to Him. All of it belongs to Him. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. Now, we believe in tithing. We practice tithing. We believe in the blessing of tithing. We believe that it's something we should do. But if we're going to really adhere and just go, well, I'm a tither. Well, you're also prideful. All right, I won't step on any more toes. You need to be able to walk out of the church. It's little to do with amount. It has everything to do with our heart attitude when it comes to giving. So give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure. What is it saying there? When someone is hateful towards you and you return with love, they're going to be shocked. But I was so mean to you. I know. But I love you. That's why even in Walmart, when I meet one of those workers who hates their job and hates their life, and they want to have an attitude, I just put on that good Pentecostal smile. Bless you. I pray you have an amazing day. All of a sudden, well, why would you do that? Now, some of them, they're, they're still sucking on sour candy. Take a few more smiles. Might take some prayer and fasting. But it's little to do with amount. 
has everything to do with our heart attitude. I want to encourage you this morning in your giving. Be faithful in your giving. It's important. It's important to be faithful in your giving. Not so I can get paid. Let me make that clear. That helps, but so we can accomplish the vision of this house. Win the lost, equip the saved. Amen? We're going to stand this morning as I pray over the offering and the KFC buckets. Kingdom finance collectors. There's no chicken in them, okay? I had someone ask me a few weeks ago jokingly, if I put an offering in, does chicken come out? No, sorry. I want to pray for us this morning, pray over the offering. Father, I thank you this morning for your incredible blessing in this house, God. Can I just share something as in the middle of praying because I'm just reminded of it? You know, we started 2022 with $2,000 in the church bank account, okay? It's not a whole lot. We started 2023 with $21,000 in the church bank account. That's God, y'all. That's God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your incredible blessing. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you, God, for the blessing in the lives of your people. Father, we thank you that we've been given the gift of stewardship to be able to steward your money well. And Father, I pray that we would all increase in stewardship this year. That, Father, we might both individually and corporately fulfill the vision you have for our lives. We give you honor and praise. And, Father, this morning as we close out this service, I pray that you would bless your people. Keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Turn your countenance toward them and give them peace. May every good and perfect gift that comes from the Father of lights be placed in their hands. That they would lack nothing but in you be made whole and complete. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.